If you're ready for some word, get out your Bibles or your Bible apps and, and go with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews. If you don't know where Hebrews is, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> Keep looking until you find it. It's towards the back, I'll tell you that. You can... If you're not familiar, Hebrews chapter 10, I started a new series uh, last week I want to get back into today, and the Lord will help us to say what's right and necessary for this time. Did you come in faith today? Yes. Come on. It's important that you pray before you come to church, even if it's not a long prayer, but it's a faith-filled prayer Amen. that we believe that God will meet with us, that we're not just getting together just to do it, just to say we went just to check the box, just to tell mom, went to church. <laughs> uh, but rather, we, uh, we seek to have an encounter with God each and every time. I believe he has something he wants to say, something he wants to do. Amen. And uh, we're in the right place at the right time. Thank you, Lord. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, uh, reads here, and, and let us consider one another to stir up love and good works. Amen. Does love sometimes need stirred up? Yes. Do good works sometimes need stirred up? Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's one thing to, uh, to have love in your heart. It's another thing to demonstrate love by your words and actions. Yeah. Amen. Stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, or you could say, as the habit of some had become. So we can see we're not much different today than people were back then. Even in the times in the early church, some got into the habit of not getting together. Yeah, they would say, I imagine they would say something, something like, well, I'm a Christian whether I go to church or not. I can, I can have a relationship with God just as much at home or on the lake or in the mountain or, or wherever I go, just as much as if I were to, to go to a building. Yeah. Think that maybe people were saying that? Well, what was, what was the exhortation to them? He said, don't let that become a habit. <laughs> he said, don't let what the manner of some is. That's not good. That's not a good thing to do. Yeah. Uh, uh, he said, but exhorting one another, so we're in this together, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. So these behaviors are encouraged. Uh, we're supposed to give attention to them. And the, the context is as you see the day approaching. I discussed with you last time about the day. And, and it is our, our recognition of that day and it's approached, approachingness uh, to us, or as we see it coming near, that is to modify our, our, our behavior, our, really our mentality. Really, our behavior in the last days needs to uh, match the intensity and seriousness that accompany those days, yeah? And I can see in Scripture... Uh, over and over again, that the last day's events are characterized by extremes, okay? Extreme 
on the negative side, extreme on the positive side. Uh, If we are kind of casual in the middle of it and not participating in this intensity, in the serious nature of the time in which we live, we are likely going to miss out and really may even fall prey to some of the pitfalls of of our time. Amen. And we can see, I think I can see this, I I believe this is happening. In our day, extremes are very present. In other words, bad seems to be increasing, negative, evil. Also, at the same time, I'm stirred up about the good things of God. There are millions of people being saved around the world. They're coming into the kingdom. The kingdom is not shrinking in any, at all. It is being increased more and more and more. I don't know how about you, but uh, you know people are dogging this year regularly. And I realize there are some negative things to, to think about. But how many know one of the characteristics of a person who walks with God is thankfulness? Yeah. So don't get caught up in the trap of focusing on everything negative. Yeah. The path gets darker for those who are unthankful, but the path gets brighter for those who are very appreciative of the work of God. And as, at the same time, we see a lot of negative things happening. Uh, honestly, I'm seeing a lot of good things happen too. I mean, I am stirred up about the Lord, about, about his work in the earth today. Great things are uh, happening in the world today. Praise God. So before you share your next meme about how bad 2020 is, Lift your voice and say, thank you, Lord. You are good. You, you never change. Your faithfulness never fails. Your promises are true. You are at work in me. Amen. My future is provided for. I'm not going to despair or be in dismay. I will not fear. I will not succumb to all the neg- negative traps of our day. I will rejoice and be glad in you. For I believe this is the day that you have made. Come on, we have a choice. We can do that if we want. We can stir ourselves up and be glad and be uh, full of rejoicing and thankfulness, or we can be, you know, trash in the mouth. Praise God. And so again, our day, extremes. Uh, We know it's, it's scriptural. Uh, I read to you last week from Revelation 12, 12, how how, how Satan has uh, great wrath because he knows his time is short. So the work of darkness is being enhanced, uh, stirred up more and more because there's just a little bit of time left. And uh, at the same time, I read in, in Romans chapter nine and verse 28 about the Lord's work. And, and it says, for he will finish the work and cut it short in righteousness because the Lord will make a short work upon the earth. Okay, so, so, so the enemy's stirring up trouble, and the Lord says, I got this. I'm going to do a bunch in a very short period of time. I, I mean, the, I, I'm going to do a lot very quickly. All I know is if, if that's the way God's moving, if he's doing a lot in a little bit of time, I want to make sure and be on the train. Uh, I want to make sure and be a part of what is happening. And so my question is, are you up to the task of last day's living, or are you going to bail in the middle of it? We are to modify our behavior as we see the day approaching. The more we see it coming, the more we're supposed to adjust, make uh, compensation, if you will, in our behavior for the last day's move of God and all that is happening. If we live with a casual approach or just think we have an unlimited amount of time, 
then we are likely going to fall prey to the pitfalls that are associated with this time. Now, it's interesting to me when you read about, uh, we, read, we read in a book that's, you know, a little bit aged, <laughs> meaning there's not any new books coming out. And the Lord, of course, doesn't need to modify what he's already said because he doesn't change. But when we read in here uh, about um, uh, people talking about the Lord's return, and it was a while ago. I don't know. Does that ever mess with your thinking? And they're saying, as you see the day approaching. And when was that written? <laughs> and the Lord's coming soon. And when did you write that? And what year is it today? And we realize we are on some level looking at God's clock, not our own. And the same scriptures tell us that with the Lord, a day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as a day. And you know, and that may be very prophetic in the sense that we're, clo- we're at the end of day two, which is the end of day six. And anyway, there's, uh, I don't want to go down that. So we're getting ready for the Sabbath day, thousand-year millennial period of, of rest, the reign of Christ. And so there's a lot of indicators that would, that would uh, show us. But, but still, this is interesting to me that God knew this 2,000 years ago. He knew when they, when they were saying, get ready, get ready, get ready. Look for the signs. Look for the events that are happening. I'm coming back soon. He knew that they were going to live and die and not experience that, right, in their time. And he knew generations and generations and generations, and even to our day, uh, that people would live and die and not see the coming of the Lord, although that's only going to happen one time. So, uh, but he still seemed to want them to have the mentality that he's coming back soon, that you should be ready for this day, you should live accordingly. He wanted them to have that mentality even though he knew that it wouldn't be during their lifetime. Yeah? Otherwise, we wouldn't see this kind of language. And so, if, if everyone who is believing, thinking, uh, reading the scriptures and thinking the Lord could come back during our lifetime, during our days. If we were all wrong, well, you know, and he came back 100 years or 200 years from now, I believe the Lord still wants us to live with the mentality that he could come back in our day. At very minimum, we're closer than they were. And at very maximum, we are the generation. We are living up the times that one one of these days we're going to meet the Lord in the air instead of dying and, you know, meeting him that way. And again, I think it's likely, say, lots of people have said that. I know, and I'm aware of that. We should all be aware of that, especially when setting dates. (laughs) But I want to have the right mentality for our time, and there are I I don't want to miss God in that regard. I think where we could miss it is by, again, being too casual not recognizing the seasons that we live in and falling prey to some of this. Uh, We are here on the earth today, and as we see the day approaching, according to this verse, we're supposed to modify our behavior. We could be susceptible to being unprepared. And what are we going to do in the end? Say, well, I thought we were like every other generation, so I just wasted my life and just got caught up in the things of this world, and so I was not prepared. Well, we have lots of scriptures that tell us that we are to be prepared. 
So the mentality I think we are supposed to take, if I could use a sports analogy, it's the fourth quarter, okay? It's the ninth inning. It is two-minute warning. Uh, it is uh, that type of, it's, it's the last lap, you know, in, in track when they're running multiple multiple laps. They turn up the pace, or at least that last half of the last lap, you know, everything gets intensified, and people run harder. They run faster. I don't want to have a spring training mentality in the World Series, okay? I mean, no, it's a little bit different. The stakes are a little bit higher when you're in the World Series as opposed to spring training when your stats don't even care, don't even matter. Yeah, they're all going to get washed away. Let's have a World Series mentality, and as they say, go big or go home, I think that would be the right mentality for our day. If you would, uh, turn with me to the book of 2 Timothy. So that'd be just a left turn there from Hebrews. 2 Timothy and, and chapter 3. Let's look at a few characteristics of the last days. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Notice with me in verse 1, 2 Timothy 3, 1. But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. I know that's not good news there, but this is the fact. So he wants us to be ready. Perilous times will come. Glorious times? Oh, well, he said perilous times here. All right. The, the Amplified reads this way. Uh, but understand this, that in the last days will come, set in perilous times of great stress and trouble, hard to deal with and hard to bear. So what, what, what kind of days? Great stress and trouble, hard to deal with, hard to bear. The, the, the Greek word translated there, perilous times, means difficult. It means grievous. It is, in fact, in another instance translated fierce and that the time it was translated fierce was when Jesus and his disciples went across the lake and they came to the region of the Gadarenes and there was those two dudes there living in the tombs remember they were demon possessed and it says it says of them in Matthew 8:28 it says they were exceedingly fierce and so no one could pass that way. Same word used there. These demon-possessed dudes that you thought, hey, I'm running to town. And someone said, well, which way are you going? I'm going to run by the tombs. It's the shortest route. They would say, no, don't do that. <laughs> there are these, <laughs> I'm going the tomb route. You know, they said, no, no, you might want to take a different road. Why? There's these two guys there, and they are full of the devil. <laughs> I mean, they were... It really exceedingly fierce. They were demon-possessed and dangerous. You, you, no one, you can't go by there. They're going to mess you up, right? And that's what the devil does, by the way. Yeah. You know the very worst things you've ever heard of in life? People, maybe people being murdered, people being harmed, maybe uh, abused, maybe raped, maybe all these other kind of things. You know who, who, what the spirit is behind that? That's the devil. That has nothing to do with the spirit of God. The Lord didn't aspire it. He didn't allow it. He had nothing to do with it whatsoever. That is the work of the devil. Yeah. He's the one who comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. Amen. Someone said, I, 
I don't, I don't understand why this happened to me. I don't get it. I understand the question, but I want you to know that it wasn't the Lord's doing. He didn't want it, desire it, plan it. He had nothing to do with that, but he will deliver you. He will set you free. If you'll look to him, he'll wash you, cleanse you, turn your life around. You'll remember it, but will no longer carry a sting in your life anymore. I tell you, he wants to get in your business. He wants to set you free, heal you from the inside out. That's what the Spirit of God will do to you. You don't run from Him because you don't understand something that happened in the past or some evil situation or why some terrible thing happened. You know you run to Him. He is your, he is your hope. He is your answer. He'll wrap His arms around you and cause you to be made whole from the inside out. You'll look back and say, wow, I remember it, but it doesn't hurt anymore. I don't know why I've said that, but... I probably do know why I said that, but I tell you, the Spirit of God will speak to you in here. Aren't you glad you came to church today? I I tell you, the Lord will set you on a solid place, a higher ground, amen, and make your life better than it's ever been. Thank you, Lord. Anyway, these guys were full of the devil. (laughs) Uh, They were exceedingly fierce he said no one could pass that way. That's the word used to describe the last day. So there is going to be a bunch of bunk going on, a bunch of hardship, a bunch of troublesome times, and it is very, very difficult times. Now, I, I want to I read a little bit more, but I, I want you to consider uh, the, the things that he said following this. Um, in one sense, they've always been around. It's not like these are brand new to our generation or to our day. Uh, however, I think we should ask if we, if we can see an increase in these behaviors, all right? I'm not going to take time to uh, elaborate on each one. That would be a very long message. Uh, but I'm not, I want you, as we read these, can you see If you know anything about history, we've only lived in the time that we've lived, but we have records, and can we see in our day, can we see in the last several years, can we see an increase in these behaviors? Uh, Obviously, I think the answer is yes, or I wouldn't pose the question, And, and, and maybe the reason is because of media, because you can have a negative thing happen in one part of the world, and it can be known all over the world. Whereas many years ago, uh, something negative, something bad would happen and no one else would know about it. And by the way, there is benefit to that. It's not always a positive that we know everything. Yeah? I mean, have you ever had a, a loved one pass away and it, you know, it really got you? That, that was something that really struck you to the, to the core of your being because of your closeness, because of your relationship. But have you, ever, have you ever heard of someone else having a loved one pass away? And it didn't, it, I mean, up here you thought, I should feel bad about this, but I don't really, I don't really feel anything. Well, that's actually can be a blessing. <laughs> I mean, think about it. If you had intimate knowledge of every tragedy and every person that was suffering in the world, I don't know how we'd deal with it. Yeah. And it doesn't mean you're, you're cold or, or hard-hearted towards other people. It just means things don't affect you when you're not that close to it, okay? He goes on to say here in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 2, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, 
despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn away. Now, now I want you to consider uh, the type of things he's saying here. We, we could certainly uh, read about last day's events. You could read Matthew 24. Of course, you can read in the book of Revelation and find that one of the things, the types of things that characterizes the last days are uh, turmoil on the outside, meaning earthquakes and famine and pestilence, you know, plagues. Uh, uh, those type of things are definitely prophesied to be magnified in the end times. However, in this description, uh, the perilous nature of the, the times in which we live are not describing external events or problems in the world or with the planet they are describing the ungodly behavior of people. I want you to think about that for, for, for a moment. That is what makes these times so dangerous. Instead of us endeavoring to focus all of our attention on the external which we cannot fully control, I think we ought to give attention to the internal qualities of our own life and say, these are the things that get stirred up and magnified in the last days, and this is what makes this time so perilous, so difficult to deal with. It's because of the mentality and the behavior, the focus of people. This is something I definitely have the ability to control in my own life. In fact, one of the items listed in Galatians 5 as the fruit of the Spirit is called, do you know, self-control. Yeah, that means the Spirit of God comes to live strong in you so that you are able to control what you do. You can decide what to say and what not to say, what to give your life to, what not to, whether to be a hard-hearted person, whether to be cold. You can look through the list and say, I can choose to be this way or not be this way. And it's not just, it's not just human effort. It's not just work up enough willpower. The Spirit of the Lord is on the inside of you to enable you to control yourself. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So never do we want to say, never do we want to think, I just can't control myself. I just can't help myself. I just, I, there's nothing I can do about it. Stop that. You're cursing your own life. Say, I am able, I am capable, the Spirit of God lives big in me, and he enables, empowers, he graces me so I can overcome. I don't have to be a jerk. <laughs> now, you don't have to go around telling other people that necessarily. You know, you don't have to be that way. <laughs> or maybe you do, in the right place at the right time. Uh, but, but you don't have to be a person who's subject to uh, addiction, to substance. You don't have to. You, you, you don't have, well, I've been all my life. I know, but you don't have to. You don't have to. Yeah. You don't have to be a person who's insecure. Well, I just am. I know, but you don't have to be. What, what am I saying? 
It's just a, a switch. Well, it's more than a switch. It is discovering the greater one who lives on the inside of you and trusting him, literal faith in God in you to enable you to live different, to think different, to function different, to, to, to be a different person. He's working in you. He's enabling you. Say it out loud with me. Say, I know the Spirit of God lives in me, enabling me to control myself. I can control myself. I can make quality decisions as to what I will do and what I won't do. And I am not subject to the whims of the flesh, to the works of the devil, or any other thing. I yield myself by my choice to the spirit of life and love and victory who lives in me. Amen. Amen. But one of the things he said here, I want to look at two of them real quick. The first one and the last one. The first one said the characteristic of this time would be people would be lovers of themselves. So why would love of self increase? Well, I can tell you, love of self is a great uh, producer of perilous times. You don't uh, have, your life is not perilous. The world is not perilous when everyone is thinking about someone else. But when it's all self-centered, that's when we have trouble. The Amplified Bible reads there, uh, utterly self-centered. There'll be perilous times and people will be utterly self-centered. I mean, who, can, who could have predicted so many years ago that there would come a time in the future where masses and masses of people would spend large quantities of their time taking pictures of themselves? <laughs> I mean, could you imagine ever... I mean, obviously, if you would have said that to them, everyone's going to take a picture of themselves. So, what's a picture? <laughs> well, you know, when you, when you use the front camera on your phone. And you, on your what? You, what? <laughs> but to think about, who could have even predicted this, this even a few decades ago? There'll come, come a time, and everyone is going to walk around doing this. <laughs> taking a picture of themselves. And not just so they can see if their hair's right or how they're looking but then share it with the world <laughs> and judge their own you know, self-worth based on how many people give it a thumbs up. <laughs> yeah, who could have predicted that? But that's the day in which we live. Does that contribute to a happier life? Oh no, oh no. The more self-centered we are, the more self-focused we are, the more miserable we are. Amen. That's a fact. The most self-centered individual, love of self, let me say it this way, self-love is the pathway to sorrow. It's what makes people the most miserable. The most unhappy people on earth are those who only think of their own well-being. Amen. And then when that happens, of course, when you have this unhappiness, it requires more attention on yourself to fix your unhappiness. It's a vicious cycle. All I need is a couple more pictures of at a different angle. <laughs> then everybody will think I'm good looking. 
then everybody will be impressed with my life. Different angle, different lighting. I need the new model. That's the problem. The new, you know, model of phone. Actually, if we read the scriptures, who's the most blessed? Acts, Acts uh, 25, or Acts 20 is a quote of Jesus where, where he apparently said, well, he did say, it's just not written in the gospels, but they quoted him later. He said, uh, you are more blessed if you give than receive. So it's not the one who is getting all the likes, all the praise, all the accolades, all the compliments. They're not the, the most blessed person. And a blessed person, by the way, part of that is happy. Yeah, you're not blessed if you're sad. Well, I'm just so blessed of the Lord. And you walk around with... You know, the, the drum starts doing his thing, and you don't even have a tap in your foot, let alone a little bounce, let alone a smile on your face. Come on. So I don't have that. I know you need, we need to take up another offering. I'll take, <laughs> why? I'll take up enough offerings until everybody gets happy. So I gave him the offering. I'm still not happy. Well, we need to give another one. <laughs> hey, man, we only care about people here, so we'll take all of your money. <laughs> Whatever it takes to get you happy. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's the giver that's said to be more blessed, not the most self-centered person. You understand what I'm talking about here? If you're new and you say, I knew that church just wanted my money. You missed the point, you selfish thing. <laughs> we don't want your stuff. We want you to be a giver. Yeah. Give to someone else. Hallelujah. And so that's one of the characteristics. Man, my time's running out so fast. You guys are doing good today. Uh, the, the last one he said, the last one in this list, is he said uh, that people would have a form of godliness but deny its power. A form of godliness. So this is something we, we know. This is characteristic of our day, and this is something we need to be on the lookout for, lest we fall prey to doing them. Whether we talk about just being self-centered, or we talk about having this form of godliness that lacks power. Okay? This can be manifest, this form, I believe, in, in, in a couple ways. Uh, the first one is... Is, is it manifest in people who are just outwardly following religious practices? They have this form of godliness. So you look on the outside and they do a few good things. They speak Christianese. You know, they do some good church going. They do some giving. They, 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 they do a lot of religious practices, but it's, it's outward. You know, the word form there, it means, think about a form. It's an outward shape. It's an appearance, it's a silhouette. So they have the outward part of this down, yeah? So everyone else looks at them and thinks, man, you are close to God. You have a wonderful relationship with God. You're such a good Christian. Well, how many know the outward does not necessarily indicate the, the inward? You can modify your behavior to such an extent where you are void on the inside, but you've got the look on the outside. I mean, the most religious people in Jesus' day were the biggest hypocrites right? And so I'm not interested in, re in religious formation. 
we walk the walk and talk the talk in the sense of we've got it down. We're like the parrot who has learned what to say uh, and we can repeat it, but it doesn't come from the innermost part of our being where we truly have a love for God. Oh, I just can't wait to tell him how much I, I, I appreciate him and I love him and I worship him. And it comes from the inside. It's a true passion and desire. I don't even want to live a life just out of discipline because you end up being a Pharisee. I want to live a life out of desire. I really know him. I want him. I want to walk with him. I don't want this, this outward form. But secondly, I can see that people who have a form of godliness but deny its power, this can manifest in those who deny miracles, deny the power of God. The word power there is the Greek word dunamis. It's the same thing as Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 when Jesus said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be witnesses unto me. It's the day of Pentecost when they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. It's the power. Basically, it's translated in other parts of the New Testament as miracles. There are those who will say, I believe in God, but I don't know about this healing stuff or this miracle stuff or, or this, all this, this activity of the Spirit. What did he say to do? He said, from these people, he said, get away from that. You need to turn away from that mentality. You need to turn away from that because these days are so serious. They are so perilous. No one can pass by. And so you do not want to have the mentality that the world has. You don't want to have the mentality that it's all about me. You don't want to have the mentality where it's just about a religious formation that lacks the punch. We need power. I need the power of God. Jesus had it. The early church had it. Am I so proud to think I can live without the power of God? And if someone is downplaying or dismissing altogether, and I'm totally aware that there are Christians who haven't been taught. They're not hard-hearted. They have just been, they've just never been taught these things. And I'm not talking about or downplaying their desire for God. People need to learn about the power of God. But we cannot deny it. Is there ever a time when we would separate ourselves from others? There are some times. Is, is there ever a time to leave a church? Yes. There are some things that can happen where wisdom says, I gotta get away from this. This is not a characteristic of God. This is last day's perilous time stuff going on here where people deny the power. Amen. Can I give you just in 30 seconds or more? Uh, <laughs> a couple scriptures. Uh, just so you know, Paul regularly taught this about people, um, uh, about people separating from those who practice certain behaviors. It's actually a, a very biblical principle that our success is somewhat tied to those we associate with. You want to be successful in life, find some good people to be with. Yeah. Say, so, well, I don't know anyone. Everyone, I, I mean, my family, they don't even believe in the Lord. Or, or I'm around people, they believe in the Lord, but they don't believe in the power of God. Well, uh, as quick as you can, find some people who do. Amen. Find some people who do. I don't mean you go reject everyone you have ever known. Find some people you know so, well, how do I do that? We'll go to a life group. How do I do that? Well, every, how about every week you come here, make, determine I'm going to meet at least two people. 
So that's not my personality. I get it, no problem. Do it anyway. (laughs) What's the worst that can happen? Nothing. You don't become lifetime friends or anything like that. What's the best that can happen? You find someone with greater faith, with an awesome relationship with God, and they start rubbing off on you. And you stop falling prey to perilous times and start living above and not beneath. I was going to give you those scriptures. Well, I'll just give them to you real quick. Romans 16, 17. Now I urge you, brethren, note those who cause divisions and offense contrary to the doctrine which you learned and avoid them. Wow. 1 Corinthians 5, 11. But now I have written to you not to keep company with anyone named a brother. So not talking about the world here, talking about saved people who is sexually immoral or covetous or an idolater or a reviler or a drunkard or extortioner, not even to eat with such a person. Huh, change your lunch plans. <laughs> Second Thessalonians 3, 6, but we commend you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw from every brother who walks disorderly and not according to the tradition which he, re- he received from us. First Timothy 6, 5, and useless wranglings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth who, who suppose that godliness is a means of gain from such withdraw yourself. I just wanted to show you that it's not just an isolated thought. There are some times and some places where we recognize, I need to kind of get away from this. This is actually hindering me from succeeding. Second John 10, if anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, do not receive him into your house nor greet him. And so in the last days, we will need the power of the Holy Spirit working in our lives to overcome. Stay away from those who deny it. Yeah? I'm not talking about those who are just ignorant of and hungry to learn, but those who deny it is the language that he used here. What would be the purpose of a passage like this to tell us in the last days these negative things would happen? Why do that? Well, I can see that uh, there can be a couple of reasons. One, so we're not surprised. What in the world's going on? I thought it was gonna be better than this. Don't be surprised by these days. And secondly, so we can be prepared for it personally. If I know it's coming, if I know it's gonna be around us and it already is, I can take appropriate measures to make sure that what is happening in some does not get in me. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Father, thank you for working in our hearts today. Working in